Thank you all for joining the podcast today. And we can't wait to announce a few exciting things happening with the podcast, as well as AFT Construction with some new and upcoming projects. But definitely stay tuned. We got some amazing guests that we've already been working with and recording with that are going to bring some amazing content to all of you. And today, uh, before we kick off this new series that will be starting in June, we wanted to bring on J.J. Levinsky. And J.J. has been on three times now, has a lot of experience in consulting and business and startups and construction and leadership and just so many elements that bring so much value. Um, And he actually wanted to flip the script and interview myself, you know, as far as AFT and our story and background you know, mentors that I've had, and just kind of the culture and mindset that we have, uh, not only for the podcast, but here at our company. So that it was fun to flip the script and be interviewed by JJ as he came on. And JJ is the president of Blue Wave Construction, which is a commercial builder um, based out of Chandler and Gilbert, Arizona, and has done some amazing projects all throughout the state of Arizona, out of Minnesota, and all throughout the country. So stay tuned here coming up in these next few weeks for some of these amazing guests that will be joining us. Welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt, and super fortunate again to bring Mr. JJ Levitt. This is our fourth visit from JJ, so welcome, JJ. Thank you, Brad. Awesome to be here. Yeah, so we brought JJ on, and this is our fourth time, as you know. For those who've been listening to all of our episodes, you know he's given some great insight about um, just company protocol you know, how to build a successful company, marketing. He's spoken about how to deal with difficult customers and processes. You know, JJ is a process guy. That's his mindset. He's built companies. He's consulted, has a lot of knowledge in that realm. And so he's, I know he's given great value because of the feedback we receive from all of our listeners. So JJ, again, thank you for making time. Uh, thank you for being here. Well, for those of you listening, um, this was me pressuring Brad to allow me to do a reverse engineered uh, questionnaire for him. And so where did it come from? Well, Brad's been a great advocate for me and our cause and our entity. And as I watch him allow and, uh, and help all of uh, our peer group expand in his other podcasts and other platforms that he does, I kept bugging him. I'm like, Brad, let me, get a, let me interview you and let you tell more of the story about Brad and AFT. And so it, he finally acquiesced and broke down. I, you know, sucker, <laughs> I sucker punched him a few times. So... A few blackmails. So the essence of this podcast or the, or this uh, chat, if you will, is to kind of pay it forward to Brad and AFT because they've done so much for us. And when I say us, I mean the extended family of AFT and Brad Levitt. So um, having said that, um, I kind of choose on, on Brad as far as the questions. And hopefully it'll, I don't know, it's just, to me, this is a feel-good, you know, this, this kind of coming out of the COVID response. This just, I don't know, it feels good that we can have this discussion and try to help Brad and AFT paint a better picture to the listeners about what they represent. And we may even touch on some things that, you know, what are we scared about? What are we excited about? Who knows? It's just, this is kind of one of those brotherly in the locker room conversations that we're allowing the rest of the people to just chime in. How's that? I'm, I'm good. Yeah, shoot. Okay. So um, yeah, th- some of these are scripted questions. So we'll just go through them and see if the goes in any tangential conversations so from that so brad number one is um who is the one mentor that has influenced you the most so far and then why you know that's a great question it's funny because i've had a lot of people reach out 
on social media, just asking, you know, experience and where do they go and mentors. And I'll talk about two different things, I guess, that has really helped accelerate my career. Um, One of them was Dave Clark. And the, the reason I bring up Dave Clark, and so I think everyone needs a mentor that's kind of been there, done that. And, you know, there's one thing that all of us are looking for someone who's, you know, they say wisdom is, is people that have made all the mistakes and learned from them, right? And that's how you gain that wisdom and, and experience. And so Dave was instrumental in my life for many reasons, uh, you know, just at a time when I needed him most uh, in my career. So I was kind of between things, dealing with some personal challenges uh, for anyone listening. I mean, they may know I went through a, a divorce back in 2011. Um, I was in the process of uh, going back to get my MBA and I had three daughters at the time. And so it was this flux after the recession and just a really tough time. And it was interesting because that's really when uh, uh, Dave made a huge impact. And, and, and Dave, just a quick background on him. So th- this is a CEO. He started companies, entrepreneur. He had a food ingredient company in Wisconsin and lacrosse. Um, very successful company, you know, had... You know, they did food ingredients for Ben and Jerry's and GNC and Vitamin Shop and in the protein industry and, uh, you know, just had a lot of success with major corporations. So he was dealing with, you know, big accounts, uh, managing a lot of people, understanding the balance sheet, financial statements. And so here was myself and he believed in me and and in what I wanted out of life and said, hey, Brad, I'm willing to back you as as you start a venture here and, and kind of re- um, put your life in focus. And so I, it was huge. I mean, he, he's the biggest mentor because not only did he give me the opportunity, I mean, had it not been for Dave, there would be no AFT, right? There would be no Brad Levitt here with my amazing team as we're trying to go out and conquer what we are. So I, I just can't thank him enough. And, and what's been great is over the years, not only did he, you know, help me get my life back on track, but moving forward as I have questions, Hey, Dave, you know, legal issue or, question on um hiring or training financials you know uh, line of credit with the bank you know he has these connections hey brad talk to so-and-so at this bank you know let's get you set up so that you guys are cash strong and financially stable that way you know our customers understand how long we'll be around and so he really helped create these systems and identity and the best part i think any mentor will allow you and empower you and let you run and what he did is he saw that you know, my drive and, and talent, if you will, gave me the resources and then didn't get in the way. Like he just let me build it and figure it out and figure out marketing and social media. And so I, you know, it's just been a huge part of where I am today because of Dave. Great. Um, and I, I'll just chime in. I, we've all had the Daves of our lives and I, I think we can't put them on a pedestal high enough or thank them enough. And, you know, the funny thing is they don't want anything in return other than to pay it forward. So having said that, is how did you take those cues from Dave and apply that to your own team? And then how did that, how did that um, parlay into building your current team? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, one other thing I'll say to that, I think in any field, um, and before I answer that question, just in follow-up to the mentorship, JJ, is you know one thing that, that was really important to just start the bones, right, the skeleton of the company, um, but another aspect is is finding people in your peer group in your market. So if you're an architect, have a network of architects throughout the country. If you're a designer, have a network of designers. You know, as a builder, I was fortunate to be put in this builder twenty group. 
and 20 builders around the country. And now these are people firsthand dealing with what I am and I'm able to, ha you know, have documentation and pricing modules and understanding the market in different territories and building practices. And so all this information that's downloaded twice a year at minimum, you know, it's substantial, you know, these conferences, these three-day conferences we attend. And so that's another part of the mentorship. So find not only someone who has created a successful business that can mentor you and understand how to do the day-to-day -day, and then find people in your group that now you can rely on for those answers. And and it's funny as you look at that, okay, well, how how do you build your team? And, you know, that's I, I, I will say that we've been fortunate as the branding's happened and as our company's really accelerated, um, I've been able to cherry pick. And so you think about um, – you know, the a motto I always live by is chase experience, not money. I talk about that all the time, chase experience. And so out of college, I was fortunate, you know, to work on some production projects and meet some great talent out there. And then after that, I was fortunate to work at the Mona Lucia. Well, here I am, you know, and there's a hundred of us working on this $350 million hotel resort, right? And so out of those, you know, you can cherry pick, if you will. There were people I worked with that were extremely talented, like good communicators, very professional, um, kind of fit that mold and mentality that I have and that drive and work ethic and then communication, right? It's so important in our business of construction. And so over the years, it was interesting. Like I already knew who I'd hire. So when I first started AFT, I mean, Adam and Sue were two of the first I brought on and then that's grown. And so you start that culture is so important to any business understanding, okay, I can't do everything myself. Any good CEO is going to hire people that are better than than they are at these individual jobs and then let them go and empower them just like Dave empowered me. And so that's how we started building our team is over the years um, of people that I'd worked with or networked with for 10, 15 years. And then you start bringing them into the fold and train them and give them the tools and let them run and, and sell them on the vision. And it's funny how social media has played a part of that too, because social media not only allows us a marketing and national outreach, but it also, you know, allows us to build pride in our work. And so the fun thing is, is that as we hire, you know, our staff wants to be part of what we're doing. They see the visuals every day and they see the comments and likes and shares and they see just that national reach. And it really gives them a boost of energy, right, to perform and be part of that brand. So that, that's been fun. And I think that's really important. That's great. So I have to ask, would, would Dave be proud of you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that. I love That's about rhetorical. <laughs> no, no, but I will say this. What I love about Dave is going back to your mentor question. Any good mentor is going to have constructive criticism. So even you think about like a parent figure, father, dad, that you're always seeking, hey, take for them to tell you I love you or you're doing great. Or maybe you think of Bill Belichick. He's always tough on his people. What's funny is they show it in different ways, but they're hard on you to say, hey, Brad, you should have done this or you should have looked at this. And not in a bad way, just, hey, look at it from this perspective. And so you need someone like that that's constantly refining that process, uh, which is really important because it's the only way we're going to get better. So I, I would assume he's proud, but he definitely challenges me regularly as I update him on certain things and things we're doing. And um, so it's just been great to have that feedback. Yeah. No, that that tough love is there's nothing, there's nothing better in the industry than that. So then... Now with that mentoring background and now with this team, you know, building and um, development and everything, yeah, I get this question, I know you do too, is what's the desired legacy of AFT? Because everyone, like, what's the end game? 
and you you know I, I know you and I answer it differently but just talk around it talk through it just talk about it because I think everyone kind of wants to know what's in Brad's head of what does AFT look like what and that maybe not so much um, tangibly but maybe holistically you know in some arbitrary time period just go ahead and try to answer that the best you can you know that's a great question I you know a lot of people do ask me well what's the angle right and it's never been um, about fame or money I mean it's never been that I mean for me I you know I, again, going back to the mentor thing, you know, one of the things that struck me when, when David and I would talk, he said, when you're starting a company, I mean, always look at your employees as assets, not expenses, right? And and you think about this, okay, well, these are real people. And I, I remember my mindset when I was working for a company and, 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 and where this is going to answer your question is when you look at your employees that way and I'm, okay, we're a family. So one thing I love about AFT is that all of our team, like we're friends at work, we're friends outside of work. So we communicate well, we get along, we go do extracurricular activities throughout the week on the weekends we do lunch every day as a team um so there's this camaraderie we're on group text and we're texting each other all the time and it's so so the one benefit is you know projects can be challenging at times clients can be challenging at times subcontractors and the the day-to-day can be challenging but we have this outlet of each other and so going back to that what i've always wanted to do is create a company where people love what they do they can make a good living they can support their families and, and my end goal is to build a brand where I have no interest in becoming the biggest player in town. It's just not. I just want to have our core group of people that will have a permanent and great lifestyle to support their families and children and grandchildren that uh, over the years that we can hand off. And that's why it's not named Brad Levitt Construction. It's named AFT, a finer touch construction, because this is something that the team can take over. That's not just the Brad job or Brad project. And so really important to me and I th- – and and I would honestly challenge it. I think if anyone were to interview our staff, they would see that it is a place where they like working and they like the team and they have fun with each other. And, you know, that's important. I mean, we most of our life is spent at work. Why not make it enjoyable? Why not love what you do? And so the, the legacy I see for AFT is just a company that's going to come and it's going to be better, you know, from communication with designers, with architects, customers, and just this holistic approach that, Construction could be different. It could be enjoyable. We don't have to be um, so rough around the edges and unfriendly. Like, let's smile more and let's take this more positive approach that, again, just kind of bleeds through all the different elements of the building process. Great answer. By the way, for all the listeners, um, Brad is a third string quarterback on their championship flag football <laughs> team. Uh, we do have. And we'll, we'll, we'll let his wife and kids post all the social media pictures of his crazy colored cleats okay we'll just leave it at that all right so now another tough question because this because i get the same thing is that well geez brad that's all well and good and it's a that's a rosy colored sky you're painting but you have to grow how do you grow and still stay in that state of mind in that state of um nirvana uh, as a company it's a tough question but give it a give it a tr- give it a crack as far as how does growth look like in that kind of mindset? Well, we felt the pain to that. We've grown a lot. In fact, we just hired uh, a new intern today or yesterday from ASU. We hired um, uh, another gal to be a project coordinator in two weeks. And, and what I found is, although we're in this nirvana or this, you know, this painted picture here, is there's still reality. And 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 what happens is, I think to pull this together, what's really important for any company that I found is. One thing that's unique, I 
we're, we're not all this way. I mean, for me, I feel like I can show up to work and I know what needs to be done and I get it done. And I, I can put all this together. I can multitask and that's fine. But most people operate differently. A lot of people need systems and protocol and list of well, right of responsibilities. And so what I found is over the years as we've refined that as we've spent time as a company creating systems, hey, here here's a schedule and it's itemized from the day we are awarded a project and we pull a dust control permit until we do final inspection and we clean the house. And we have an itemized list of eight pages on word of everything that should be done. And then what we do is our staff, you know, like for example, last week we have a, a home at at frame stage and so we bring out the entire team our assistant laborer all the way to our senior project manager and we have all our field staff and they're out there doing a strap and shear inspection and they're identifying nailing patterns and shear walls and anchor bolts right and redheads and everything that goes into this inspection because the only way this will work for us as a company to that the, the top and the bottom are the same is that everyone's trained and understands, right? And as we're hiring, that we're looking through a culture, a communication, a smile, a presence there, a positivity that fits that brand. And so that is, I think, the crux of it is understanding how to train and implement these systems to allow everyone to fall within, you know, the mindset of the company. So another thing that I know you get repeatedly asked, and uh, we just try to solidify this again, is how do you look at, because of your success on social media and all these different platforms that, that you've interfaced in, how do, you, how do you look at the Brad brand differently than the AFT brand? Um, I know you get that asked all the time. And um, what, I know that you could probably go off into a four-hour explanation of that in itself as far as marketing and social media platforms, things of that nature. But how can you just kind of wrap that into in the framework within this this uh, chat that we're having as far as the Brad versus AFT brand? You know, that that's a really good question, and it's a very loaded, complex question, I'll say. <laughs> I know, uh, I know. It, no, but it's important. I think it's important to address because a lot of for anyone that follows us, they know I spend a lot of time on social media and do I, I do all our social media marketing, um, and I'm involved with the training and our team and, and customers as well. So, what, what what's interesting? One of my favorite quotes is: "So I was fortunate to go speak at the LinkedIn Global Conference last uh, last fall in New Jersey, and one of the the guests on the panel with me they made a comment. They said, personal branding is permanent job security, and and that I hit a chord because I, there's a relation there to the AFT." And then the image of myself, right? And, and both of these that kind of work together. And what that means is that the, the more um, that we can promote our brand in a subtle way, nationally and locally, and, and build these relationships, although I may be the face out there in front and leading the charge, it is permanent job security. And the reason being is that there, there's a handoff there. So yes, there's, there's a part of this that's allowing us now to be a spokesperson for brands and companies and ambassador. Well, now that catapults into AFT because now, you know, down the line we have customers that now can can work with companies such as Pella or Kohler or Subzero Wolf, and and so they're the recipient of that. There's the benefits. So although there's some personal branding, but there's also some company branding that now hands off there. And so they are different, right? When uh, you know, as I'm out there on my own, there is, you know, but. I, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the team. And we have an amazing team. Anyone that has met our team like loves them. And that's that's the true handoff there. And so I 
it it is different but at the same token i mean leading that charge does allow that job security does allow these projects and I, I'm so excited, and we'll get into this, but we just have some projects on the horizon that it, they're, they're amazing. They're going to blow people's mind when they just see the complexity and the detail and the challenge. And then even from a building science side, the, the passive and net zero home, I mean, all ends of the spectrum, we have these amazing projects just on the pipeline that we really haven't spent a lot of time showcasing until they get going. And so it's exciting to see the team to see, but the only reason these came to play is because of the the branding that we've done. So they do go hand in hand. They're separate, but it's important to not lose sight of the end goal that this isn't about um, just my individual success. It's about the podcast. There's a reason for that, right? I want to bring on guests that, such as yourself, JJ, that bring a lot of knowledge in the industry. Well, the only way we can fix this and, and help better our brand is to raise that tide. A tide raises all ships, right? So how can we bring more knowledge to the industry and more information to better people's businesses? And that's the whole intent. Well stated. I, I think a lot of people can um, relate to that, and as they look into their mentors and their peer group and look for inspiration, um, I think we always gravitate towards the the person first, and then the what do you want to call it—the expanded brand and ecosystem around that. So I think you framed that very well. Okay, now let's get more a little. Let's go softer and more fun. Uh, <laughs> so, what makes Brad the most happiest when going to work each day? Oh. Now, that, now, that, now, that, now that you have, now that you have global success. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know about global success, right? We're still trying to do this thing, but you know, it's funny. I just did a, a this morning. We're doing uh, on site with my staff doing a training, and we did a quick video just on the mistakes, right? Because we still make a lot of mistakes, and that's just going to be part of it. But it's it's about learning from them. But I would say what makes me most happy coming to work is. Um, Right now, it's just the projects on the horizon, the clients we're working with in our team. I mean, it's it's really inspiring. I come home, my wife's like, oh, you just seem so much happier. And it's like, we're finally, I feel like we're finally at a point where we've really hit our stride. Um, our team has been refined. We've had some great hires, great additions. You know, most of our team knows, you know, the staff that's there. But we brought on uh, Trevor, who's... Uh, a young ambitious superintendent he's at asu construction management we have spencer who i've known i was actually in college with him and he and i worked together at marlucci and then he had done commercial steel for eight years and now he's here with the fold so the thing is we just have this amazing core of people and the clients are spectacular on every job we have and literally from commercial to residential just complete sweethearts i mean we've been fortunate to have these great relationships with our clients and couldn't work for better people and that's so important what we do and you know, if we don't have a good relationship with our client, then it can make the process very stressful. So having that and then just as I alluded to, we have some projects that are going to be some for the ages. Um, unlike anything seen in different parts of town, which is going to be so fun. So just seeing what's happening behind the scenes, the creativity with the design team, with the architect team, the landscape designer, lighting designers, you know, all this collaboration. And then seeing how excited our team is whereas they're saying, hey, I get to build this. I get to be involved with this. I mean, it's just inspiring. It really motivates me for sure. And with that enthusiasm and that excitement for new and exciting things on, on the horizon, how is AFT and then your your own passion? What do you see coming as the transformation in the industry as you can control on your molecule per se? And you, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. This again, how does Brad and how does AFT um, effectuate that change within the industry? And, and how does that look in, through your eyes? You know, that's a good question. And 
part of the challenge in our industry, I mean, you know, if you look at the economics of things, I mean, we're dealing with a housing shortage. It's been that way for quite some time, right? Not enough homes. Well, part of the problem is costs, right? I mean, it's not getting cheaper. So labor, material, land, land, I mean, everything's expensive. And even in recessions, it's still expensive. And so that that's always going to be the crux is how can we build more efficiently and cheaper, you know, so the more people can be homes. Okay. So that's going to be out there. Then you have the other challenge of, of the labor pool. Right. Um, and, and I, I feel like that's turning, that's been an issue for 10 years, but I, you know, a lot more with college, not to get political, but you have these forever. It's been this song and dance, you know, since the seventies, Hey, you need to go to college. You need to go to college. And so everyone has this mindset. You got to go to college. You're not going to be successful. And then you go to college and you have this amount of debt, and maybe, you know, for some people, it works out great where it catapults them in their career. And a lot of them, they come out of school with a lot of debt and not a lot of opportunity. Whereas, you know, they could be looking where maybe school college isn't for them, but maybe the trades school is and where they can come out with a better degree and better money. And so I, I, I feel like we're making movement throughout the industry. And I think there's a lot of key players nationally that speak about this and visit and a lot of collaboration with schools and high schools to teach kids, hey, there is more to it. And and I'm hoping that our branding shows that, that, hey, at AFT, like, you can do these amazing projects and have fun and um, have a great career and some flexibility. And you can do that in the trades, right, in construction. It's not looked down upon like construction was many years ago. Um, but going back to your question, I, you know, the biggest thing for me, I think it's, it's culture. You know, how are we building um, the wave of the future to – better communicate with our clients, expedite the process. You know, construction is just going to be a slow thing. How can we expedite that? If a normal home on a hillside's taking 18 months, what can we creatively do to overlap and understand, okay, let's analyze this. Let's do an autopsy. Why Why did it take so long? Why can't we expedite this? Why can't we do this in 14 months? Why can't we do it in 15? And continue to push that envelope. And I feel like that's what we're trying to do is figure out on every single project and database that I know today we're much better than we were a year ago and we're better than we were in 2018 and so forth. That Every day we're trying to get better and refine this process so that we can build more efficiently, better quality and quicker and communicate better and make this process easier for our clients so that they can focus on their business and know that they can trust us to, to run their project. I agree. I, I'll even go one step further and say that um, I think you, got, you and I could do a whole other podcast on this topic is – there's two things that you mentioned earlier. One is raise the tide, you know, to raise the, the collective ships on that on that ocean. That's one. The other thing you didn't bring up was the cost of everything is going up, but we haven't talked about the cost of capital. It's been relatively free for a long, long time now. Once that changes, or if it changes, we have another component to deal with. So I think uh, kind of t- t- you know playing a, a tail onto what you were talking about was. The collaboration like you and I work together, the more that we have in that that holistic pattern, because there's going to be less and less people going into our trades, we know that, and the supplies, the, the demand is going to keep going up. So collectively, AFT can't grow by 5,000% overnight to, to make everyone happy. The, this, this ecosystem is going to have to grow together, and we're going to have to take the expertise that you have, that I have, that our next uh, level of peers has, and then monetize that in a way that, that meets the, the market demands. So I think I think there's a whole other topic of discussion on that. But thanks for framing it because I think you're on to something. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with, with your approach uh, and, and comments on that. If you could start AFT over again tomorrow, what would you do differently? 
You know that again, you're hitting me with all these uh, good questions there, JJ. So I, I, I would say it's funny. I had, um, I was fortunate to have Luann Naguerre on, uh, you know, a few episodes ago. She's, uh, she has her own podcast, um, about building, you know, a, a well-designed business. And what, what's interesting is she had talked about on the podcast that, that it's really important that as a, you know, we should be spending time to evaluate our company, right? After every project. And I feel that, that, if I could do it over again, I would have spent a lot more time in the processes of AFT, especially from the beginning, understanding why we were successful, why we were unsuccessful, you know, why we had budget overruns, why did we didn't make money on this job, why did we lose? And and that's something that, you know, you're so interested in um, getting the next job and moving on and the next project and kind of as your company's building. But we weren't spending the right time job costing and analyzing every little detail and analyzing were the communication breakdowns were why was the project unsuccessful well okay this client was out of state they fired their designer and architect you know then they fired their builder then they brought us on and we didn't properly vet them you know understanding why we fell into these traps if you will or made the mistakes on our end that was simply just our fault oversight or miscommunication and had i spent more time on that i feel that we could have been set up much more efficiently as a company and had more processes because now I feel like in the last two years, we're really spent a lot of time in processes and protocol and analyzing data and numbers to understand our pricing. I, I didn't. That's the problem. The first six years, you're kind of running and you're like, hey, what, why don't we make money? Why am I not pricing? We can write the customer. So any company should do. You know, that is the biggest thing I wish I could go back and change. And, you know, it's easy. I, I think that low-hanging fruit would be to say, oh, I would have spent more time on marketing or I would have understood exactly my wheelhouse and chased those jobs. I mean, you know, that's just going to happen. And it's not really fair because that's, you know, Monday morning quarterback, which isn't realistic. Whereas, but changing processes, no matter what level you're at, it doesn't matter. You can do that and and you should be job costing and really understand what a project costs you. Yeah. Well, we all get that dose of reality and humility and for you to share it, it just, to me, it tells us, all of us as listeners that you know we all have our weaknesses and our blind spots, and to just leave them exposed because the the sooner we find that exposure, the better we're all going to be. So, thanks for you know laying on the sword for all of us there, Brad. <laughs> um, I, I know you get this too because of your success, and and I mean that sincerely. Is you know AFT gets probably asked to go into other sectors and markets and. How do you manage that, both personally and professionally? Of, are should we go here? Should we not go here? Are we going to go there? How do you, how do you, how do you and your team address that? You know, that's a good question. I, I think there's a few elements to this, not just in our own market as far as job complexity or, or challenges or scope, but you know, going back to the out of state. You know, the one thing about construction is, you know, if I was an architect or designer, you know, it's a little bit more feasible for me to be based in Arizona and do a design in Los Angeles or Nashville or Atlanta, right? I mean, there are some building codes and there are some site conditions and other things that are important and local engineers that, you know, you'd have to resource. But from an overall scale, my challenge to try to build AFT Los Angeles or AFT Dallas, if you, I'm as only as good as my partners, right? So I'm only as good as my team. I'm only as good as my subcontractor base and my trade partner base and my supplier base. And so it's really difficult to grow or franchise or 
go down that realm in other markets. And that's why I've been reluctant to do so. We've, you know, we've been asked many times to go build um, in other parts of the country. And it's something we have not done because right now it's not a priority. As I mentioned, you know, the goal of AFT, we have our, our core um, employees. We have our core families that are with us and, and we want to build their livelihoods and, and keep that success here. Now, going back to your comment about um, just overall, you know, we continue to evolve as a company. I mean, something we're looking at, okay, well, what what can separate AFT in the future? Is it passive homes? Is it net zero homes? Is it um, more efficient homes? Is it, you know, quicker building practices, um, better pricing? How can we tie that up? And so that that's something we'll continually look at. And as opportunities come, there's a big part of, you know, big part of understanding what the project is, what the scope of work is, what the expectation is, but also that client relationship. You know, if, if I know the clients will be a dream to work with, I think it's a no-brainer that interview should go both ways. And so we're always looking at, we, we already know what we're good at. We've learned, we've learned the hard way over the last eight years. We know we're good at, we know we're not good at. And so we have to stay within, you know, that will wheelhouse, if you will. We have to stay within that to make sure that we can be successful. Again, thanks for offering that insight because I think, most of the listeners will find that if you're any, if you're at all successful, you're always asked to go outside your lane, and sometimes it's the natural maturation within an organization, and sometimes it's not. And you know, there's no easy decisions there. It's it's, it's tough, and you just have to roll up your sleeves and get through it. So, again, well, thanks and, for offering. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a good point, JJ, because I mean, you're almost opening the door to this. I, th- it's really understanding what motivates you in life. People, you know, they're going to be motivated to go have time off and have a work-life balance. Some people are motivated by money. Some people are motivated by success, whatever that means to them. And so I think it's really important to understand what what is your goal, what's your lifestyle. I mean, you know, if you have a family, then you may not want to open up in another region of the country because you'll be traveling a lot. So there's a cost there, right? There's cost involved. You may have success financially, but it's at a cost of time. And so it's really important to understand, well, what's your goal in life? And then build your company to do that. Some people do want to be the biggest company and most successful. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, we need companies like that in our market and in our society. And then we also need the people that are like, Hey, I have, you know, my lane here that I'm working in and creating sustainability and I'm okay with that. And, and so it's really understanding what your goals are and then aligning your company and vision to make sure you're staying within that. Well stated. Um, okay. Back to a fun one. If Brad wasn't in AFT and doing what he's doing, um, what secret, what secret passion and and uh, career would you have chosen otherwise? Let me <laughs> rephrase that. What 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 career path would have chosen you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you say that. So going back to the football thing, you know, I'm a has been that never was, right? I just, <laughs> I you know I ran cross country track in high school. I was undersized in high school and oh, you know, I thought was, you were a shot putter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely never been confused for a shot putter or a, a football player you know don't have that neck size i guess but um no in in reality but i've always been a big sports fan and and i think if it wasn't for construction or aft or this path you know um you know in those kid dreams i think i would have always loved to be a professional athlete that was not in my cards for a lot of reasons even though i'm very competitive and i love that aspect of sports but i think it would have been a lot of fun one thing that really intrigues me that i have a passion for outside of work kind of my outlet i love sports talk radio i'm kind of an addict to sports talk radio um i i love 
the the G. I, I love numbers. I'm just a numbers guy anyway. So what fascinates me are just the analytics. You know how in the NBA and NFL, you know, they're these general managers are working through, you know, contracts and salary caps and 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 then the people and then the talent and scouting and so for me i think if it wasn't you know in construction i would have loved to pursue a career as a gm or scout or something in the nfl or nba i mean those sports i just i love them i love everything about it i love the competition the strategy the chess part of it as well as now how do we put this piece together right it's still building just in a different element that's cool. That's interesting. Thanks for exposing yourself like that. By the way, on the Sports Talk Radio, if you and I ever get fired from our collective uh, employers, maybe we should start that up on the side. <laughs> I, I don't think we'd ever be able to compete with Colin Cowherd and Dan Patrick. They kind of own that, uh, I know. that market. But I know. no, I, I do love it. I just, you know, it's fascinating. I, I just love the nuances and the analytics behind it. You know, I, you know, it, it's funny thinking of the Patriots, you know, and you just think of their mindset, how they run numbers and, you know, and, you know, it helps when you have Tom Brady at the helm, and I know he's in Tampa Bay now, but it, it, it's funny to see these organizations, and, and what's, I think, the leadership side, I mean, you look at, just from a sports, and you can apply this to any business, even construction, well, why is it that, you know, the Bengals always struggle, and the Browns, but yet, you know, organizations like the Patriots can rebuild, and, you know, and, and you see these strong companies, and the strong leadership that, understand how to empower and they have processes and have a game plan like they're always successful and it doesn't matter in these leagues where they want um parity there is no parity and why because some organizations are run better and i think there's a lot to learn from that well couldn't agree with you more okay so i want to keep this uh timeline in perspective just a couple more one is i know you get a lot of questions about um Brad's involvement, the company dynamic, you know, how much do you still have your footprint on everything? Are you the micromanager, the macro uh, leader? Um, again, just asking you to expose yourself a little bit for the listeners of what does that look like? And, I, you know, forget six years ago, four years ago. Uh, how does it look now? Uh, that's a great question because it has evolved over time and we won't spend a time how our starting, you know, beginnings to now, but you know, one of the tough things I feel like I am a micromanager to some extent. You know, I, I'm sure my wife and staff would tell you that to some extent. So, <laughs> your, ther your therapist doesn't say it, but my, maybe your wife. <laughs> my therapist would give me a lot of other things to work on too, and including micromanager. But um, what's funny is, you know, our, our day to day now has really evolved, right? And, and we've, I've, I found that I've had to step away from certain things and kind of let my team learn, right? We all have to learn, and so I've had to take in take a seat back from the micromanaging or scheduling or pricing and kind of let that do its thing. And so, so the way it works now, you know, I'm heavily involved at the front end, right? That most of the relationships are built on the front end. And so that those relationships are cultivated between the architect designer and the clients and myself. And what, what's really important. And I speak to this a lot is any successful project, the client's going to bring on the designer, builder and architect from the beginning, because that's going to achieve many, many things from, success of the project to budget um, reach you know we're going to make sure we know the budget and we can hit that and then design elements to it to make sure everything's going to function right that there's not a lot of issues in the field so i'm heavily involved in pre-construction and that's from uh, w when the relationship starts with the client to their budget working through pre-construction all the way through permit and then once the home submitted for permit it's time to hard price the home all set the budget project history and we know we're at 
you know, that's where it kind of turns over. And so I put the team together. I let the clients know, hey, I'm involved. I'm not going to disappear. Um, but at this point forward, there's going to be different points of communication outside of me. And that's where, you know, my senior construction manager, Adam, gets involved in hard pricing with the superintendent on the job. Our coordinator gets involved. And then it's really important that we're doing these pool plan meetings at that front end scheduling the first six months is really um, vetted with our subcontractors so that way we can have a clear game plan for our clients. Hey, here's where we're going to be in six months. Here's our budget. Here's the hard price. Let's start. And and then from there, you know, they're doing their daily logs and they're doing their communication and project manager updates to the client. And, and then also with um, all of the social media stuff, you know, that's a way for me to visit the sites and make sure we're on target and, and communicate with the customers. Uh, but I'm always involved with the customers. It's just I'm not out in the field day to day running, you know, scheduling trades, ordering product and material, doing the purchasing. It's more overseeing the overall financials and marketing and business development, and then of course the training. So, which seems to lend itself with the the general maturation of a company your size and into your tenure, if you will. So. Again, thanks for addressing that because I know a lot of people probably are interested. Like, what does Brad's day in and day out look like? So, well stated. Okay, wrap it up on two touchy feely ones. One, we're gonna we're gonna start negative and then end positive, and that is, what is Brad most scared about? Yeah, and I say this because we're all we're all in this time of trepidation coming off the COVID. Well, we're not out of it yet, but you know, kind of post-apocalyptic COVID nineteen. Now, what's Brad scared about? and going forward and then what are you most excited about uh i would say scared about i think covid's just in line i mean it's funny before covid i mean this has been and we talked about this earlier in the podcast one of the biggest challenges okay how can we build more efficiently more cost effective and still do a home with integrity right and so with cost of insurance and workers comp and liability and these things are just driving and driving and driving and then the supplier and manufacturing right that we're all dealing with that, that's that's a major challenge that we're going to deal with. But the COVID has really complicated things because now how does that change our supply lines? How does it change manufacturing? You know, are we limited now on how many trades we can have in sight? You know, are we limited on how quick we can get material and working hours of stores? You know, how does this change? You know, PPE equipment, you know, that's going to add cost. And so not not I'm not a worry. Well, just don't. I just don't have that mentality. You know, I'm a positive person, and I think you have to be as an entrepreneur. But I, I think it's a real thing to start monitoring because if we do have to have spacing on sites, if we do have to have masks or protective gear, that's going to drive the cost. It's going to slow down production, which drives costs overall, which drives carrying costs, which drives timelines and management. So. I think it's really important that we all monitor this and, and as supplies, if we can't get product or supplies from different parts of the world or country because their limitations or health, you know, this is a realistic thing that has really complicated the construction business because we're not at a manufacturing plant. We're not, we don't build off an assembly line. Our projects are very complex. They're very specific. And so we have to be able to foresee and order and purchase and make sure we're you know handling everything that's that's going to come upon us yeah being um you know we hear this all the time is being risk averse versus managing risk are, are two very different things and i think you just you put it well that we we can manage it we just need to be uh open to 
what is the data telling us? What is the environment telling us? And then react and go forward from there. But you can't just sequester yourself into a into a bubble and just hope it disappears. So well yeah. said. Okay, now let's end it positively. Okay, on that note, what are you most excited about? Well, I got a few. Um, and don't say the Bengals winning the Super Bowl either. <laughs> <laughs> Look, let's be real. You got Joe Burrow. I mean, he played awesome, but you got to face the Ravens and Steelers twice a year. So, um, and even for as bad as the Browns have been, I mean, they're pretty loaded. So that's that's a tough division. But getting back to construction here, so um, I, I I would say that we got a couple. I mean, we have. As I mentioned, we have some great clients, but one project in particular, and I've, I've only shared a few little things, but we have one home in town, and it's not just the overall value and cost of the home or the complexity, but it's going to be one, a, a design for the ages. It's almost like a mini resort. It's a three-acre project. On the three acres, we have a 20,000-square-foot home. Um, the home has 12 bathrooms, um, all different, you know, designed with different elements, and in the great room, you know, it's an 80 foot long great room. The ceilings, you know, 28 feet high. Uh, it has, you know, all steel windows and doors all throughout the entire house. Um, the, the lighting, we have one of the top lighting designers, architects in town, you know, Kevin Flowers, and he's doing this amazing elaborate lighting package. You know, the key to any home is lighting. The clients have really let us have fun with this, where, you know, it, it, it's rare where you get a project where there's just, some flexibility with with options and stuff so so the house itself just has some cool functions from you know some secret hideaways for the kids you know a fireman pull down to the basement um it's going to be an entertainment you know there's a gym in there full workout facility but as you go to the property now there's a four swimming pool system we have a lazy river a large swimming pool um, a big spa and then a kid's pool. Then we have an RV garage. We have a full regulation size tennis court and a spectator pavilion for those that are watching the tennis being played. And then uh, again, a full CrossFit and workout track and course and path around the house. And then we also, of course, have the separate detached building that's the indoor arena, we're going to call it, because it's a full indoor volleyball court. It's a three-quarter basketball court. It's a trampoline barn. We have full-length trampolines in there. And it, you, you walk in at ground level, and it's a mezzanine dropping down 18 feet to finish floor. And it's just this incredible project. And so you think about just all the elements of complexity. One of the things, going back to that great room that I mentioned, it's 80 feet long, 30 feet wide, but it's exposed I-beams. The full 360 around the whole room has these huge I-beams that will be exposed with that industrial look. And then it's all that means we have glass it's all glass and then you have these sips panels trusses that sit on top of that so you have glass a full 360 all the way around so it's complex as far as okay how do we get electrical and lighting up into the peak and fire sprinklers and we've all found a solution to all that to hide it so you only see the glass and steel it's just it's an engineering feat it's a project feat and so that's definitely one for the ages that we're super excited about that's awesome wow thanks for ending the the chat and the conversation on that high note. Hey, uh, we're all, what? Too, JJ, because one thing is too, the other thing we're excited about is the introduction or staple from you, which I'll thank you here publicly, is we have a client that's hiring us to do their net zero home and we can't say who that is or the details yet, but this is going to be a national, um, nationally recognized project with a lot of big players throughout the country that are involved in this project. It's a true net zero, modern home, passive house, um, in 
Scott's, well, it's in Cave Creek, actually, up on the hillside. It's an amazing project. And a big thanks to you because you were a big part of us getting that. So that's a fun element that we're excited about as well. To all the listeners, don't worry. Brad will be back at the helm and at the microphone from this point forward. I'm not I'm not taking away his job, thank goodness. But uh, thanks for letting us take a role reversal and exposing yourself to all of us that I know wanted to know more about you, AFT. And I, I know from the bottom of my heart and everyone listening that we wish you and your, your team nothing but the best because um, back to that tide and ship a scenario and analogy we're all in it together and we i think we all want to push those boundaries so thanks again brad thank you jj that was fun well big thanks to jj for joining us today on the podcast and um hopefully all of you um enjoyed that little background on aft and and why uh, we are here today and and more than anything you know the purpose of this podcast which we've been asked many times is to seek as many ways to bring value to the industry and to our network and with some of the guests we have upcoming we're super excited about some of the insight and techniques and strategies that they're sharing in regard to marketing and small business and also big thanks to Lynn Nagara we have some exciting things coming up with her you know she is uh, the podcaster of a well-designed business very informative she jumps right into the meeting conversation can't recommend her podcast enough and we have a lot of collaboration coming with her so definitely stay tuned for what's upcoming and again if any of you have any questions or topics you want us to address definitely reach out and we will do so 